0: Become a writer from someplace other than Los Angeles and New York, I still think that's really difficult.
1: Welcome to Entertainment Business Wisdom with your host, Kaya Alexander.
0: Welcome, welcome, welcome. I'm Kaya Alexander, host of the Entertainment Business Wisdom Podcast. I'm here today with my very special guest, Kara Russell. Kara, I'm delighted you're here. Let me tell you all, all the listeners, about Kara. Kara, who is the author of Make Your Script Sellable, a book I really love, is a prolific screenwriter with a background in journalism. Her movies can currently be seen on Netflix, Amazon Prime, Hallmark Channel, Hallmark Drama, Lifetime, and more. As of this writing, she's got more than 10 screenplay projects in development with various producers and production companies. In addition to her screenwriting, Kara works as a creative development executive for MPCA, the Motion Picture Corporation of America, a film production company in Los Angeles that is a world-leading producer of Christmas and family-themed movies and television entertainment. Welcome Kara. Thank you for having me. I'm really happy to be here. So appreciate it. Oh, I'm delighted you're here and we're recording live front of my students of the Entertainment Business School just gave you a big round of applause. Um, it's always really cool to get to talk to you because of your industry experience. You're a cr- total, um, you know, badass creative and you're also a buyer. How do you balance your life between those two sides of your life? Um, in my free time is when I
1: do the screenwriting and I've been screenwriting. I started in college, so that's always been my passion. And then my day job is, um, ex- as creative development executive and working on other scripts and helping other writers has made me a better writer, seeing it from both sides.
0: So well, that's it's a lot really- of, do you ever have free time. I know when I was a development exec, it was like, you know, 80 hour weeks, the job will just eat you alive if you let it. Yeah, it, it's, well, COVID has
1: been good for work in the sense of there hasn't been anywhere else to go. But as things are
0: opening up, I'll have to balance to find time for the writing again. It makes a lot of sense. Um, hasn't it been great having the meetings over Zoom? Have you liked that uh, way that COVID has shifted our the landscape of our industry? It's been interesting.
1: Um, I always want to ask people, everyone stand up and see who's in pajama bottoms. <laughs> <laughs> right. but. Um, I do miss interpersonal, ra- like meeting people face-to-face and in-person. But I think a hybrid is a perfect way to
0: move forward. Yeah, great. A hybrid is a great way to go. It's awesome to not have to battle Southern California traffic. Um, do these meetings that would like, you know, one meeting on the other side of town, you're like, well, there's the whole day. Who else can I meet on this side of town while I'm here? (laughs) And now with Zoom, it even enables you and I to get together and do the podcast, which I started uh, during the pandemic as well. Never anticipated, oh, I'm going to create a podcast, but following my passion for the business side of this industry, for all the creatives who are in it, always trying to suss out, you know, what is, what's happening now? What do you know about what's happening now? It's enabled that to take place. And you're amazing. I follow what you do and I, you, you're incredible with everything you've been doing and helping people and showcasing talent. Well, I, I love getting to hear these stories. You know, that's been a silver lining of the pandemic. Hasn't it been that we're getting to hear stories that, um, from marginalized voices and communities that really were shut out of this industry. And I think that's been beautiful uh, that that has shifted, that landscape has shifted in the pandemic.
1: Mm-hmm. I agree.
0: Tell us about your job. Tell us about your day job for any of the listeners who are not totally familiar with like, what does a development exec do? What does a creative development exec do? Tell us about it. So
1: our job as executives, creative execs, is to find good material to, from start to finish. They could start with an idea, a spec script, um, a project we have that needs more work, and get that script into strong enough shape that we have a buyer who will then buy it and produce it. So it's the whole spectrum of getting from an idea to the production, when production takes over on the screenplay. And um, yeah, there are so many different ways scripts come to us, but my day is usually spent uh, apart from meetings um, about projects is reading scripts that are in various stages, giving notes, we get our team notes. So it's not just one person and then discussing those notes. And then we'll have like a notes call with the writer. They go and do the next draft. Sometimes they'll reach out and we'll have calls if they have questions about the notes or something they want to discuss we get the next draft in and it's continue that until we have a strong enough script that then we're confident to send to buyers and then buyers will give notes. So then we're working with the writers again to get, and sometimes a different writer, depending on if the buyer wants to work with someone they like or are confident knows what fits for them. And then um, keep going until signed off green light and you go to production. And we have multiple projects, so we're juggling reading different scripts. So I always have a long queue of projects I have to read and give notes on. Um, but it's fun, too. A lot, like it's, it's, it's a really fun job because I love reading. I've
0: always loved to read. Oh, me, too. That's how I ended up getting my job as a development exec was my love of reading and writing. Um, my boss mm-hmm. was like, hey, you could be good at this job. <laughs> you have to really, You have to really love it. Boy, we read a lot. Um, with your work, your business side with the scripts that come in, do you guys option and then develop? Is that how your process works within the company?
1: There are several different ways. Sometimes if it's a writer, we know, and we've worked with, like the buyer might say, Hey, we want to develop this project. And then it becomes a work for hire situation. But a lot of times we'll have a spec script that will say, Oh, this has a really great idea and we'll option the script and then work with the writer's to get it as far as they can take it. Sometimes new writers we have to put on again, a lot of projects. You'll see a lot of names, but hopefully we always want the original writers. If they can do the whole thing, like that's always the best.
0: And MPCA is uh, primarily,
1: primarily features, right? Yeah. We do TV movies, mm-hmm. YouTube, but on Netflix, the new GAC family channel, which is amazing. If you haven't heard of that, I recommend about it. And um, we, we have a lot on Hallmark. we We've had CBS Christmas movies last year. We have movies on Peacock, Hulu. Like we're we're always trying to get our scripts out there because we really believe in in the movies we make. That's and really- that's the fun thing. It was the projects we do make. We genuinely love them and care about them and want to see these be the best
0: movies they can be. What do you love about Christmas movies? I know you also write them. I do write them um i think it's just the exact opposite of the
1: news you read every single day it's just a way to keep spirits up and remember that there are good things and good people in the world you just need that good energy and if that comes out at christmas time then that's where that's i think why that so many people love watching those movies
0: and they're and fun all- r- all of Christmas, I left the Hallmark Channel on because it was just so happy and it carried that spirit. And I was feeling really depressed at that stage of the pandemic last year. It was like, oh my God, this has gone on forever. and it was so helpful to have some uplifting uh, energy in house, you know, even while I was doing other stuff in the background. Tell us about one of your movies?
1: I did have this past Christmas, the Great Christmas Switch aired and it aired on GAC Family and it's on Peacock to stream and that was a fun one that one took I can't even tell you how many revisions over how many years before it was in place where it was strong enough
0: and somebody we had a buyer who wanted it were you there on set for production too what was your role throughout the um, whole development and then filming process because
1: I was the writer on that one once all the production notes came in and I made those like I was pretty much off of it because then production took over. And I'm very careful with that fine line of as a writer versus an executive of not overstepping. Because as a writer, I might be like, oh, I want this or that, but that's not my job anymore. That situation, it's not my decision, but I love how it came out. I think everyone did an amazing job. The cast was fantastic. Um, so I was very happy with it, but it's, yeah, it was years and years and years. Good 10 years, I want to say. And the
0: original script looks nothing like what it ended up being. Wow. Well, congratulations. That's awesome. What, what are you most passionate about right now? I have a new Christmas
1: script going into pre It's in pre-production now that should start filming soon for this year. Of course, I unfortunately can't say anything else about it at the moment, but I'm excited
0: for that one too. Do you continue to stay excited when you're done doing the actual writing? I think I'm always in the, okay, what's next?
1: What's next? It's just a restlessness of, okay, where's the creative flow? What's the next story?
0: Do You let yourself have more than one work in progress, or are you somebody who keeps a lot of irons in the fire?
1: I have uh, in the middle of that. I like to finish scripts. I don't like leaving anything undone. So but I, then I do have other ideas that at some point I want to write. I just haven't had time to get to them yet. Or I just don't feel that story. like I can't tell it quite yet. The most frustrating feeling is to have a story and you just
0: can't get it right or can't finish it. So, Yeah. I know that one. Well, I am stuck on one of my own scripts that way <laughs> needs this revision that I'm like, Oh, I'm stuck on this one problem. But that's, I feel like when you let it go, sometimes those answers come from other places. Like when I'm out running or even when I'm driving, I do some of my best thinking when I'm driving, can't do that as much anymore with the gas prices in <laughs> California, but <laughs> back in the day, I can actually drive around and think through stuff.
1: I always suggest, I tell our writers, put something away for a few weeks, work on something else entirely. And then when you come back to that, you'll have a whole new perspective. And I try to remember
0: that myself too. Definitely. Talk to us about how you coach writers. What does that look like for you in your work? Um,
1: so the hardest part I want to say with writers who come to us with ideas is find, is honestly finding an idea that hasn't been done or that we don't have in development. We had one writer submit, I want to say, 70 pitches, like logline pitches. Not one of them worked because they were movies we'd already done. Another company had done recently. Weren't enough of a twist on something new, or we already had something very similar in development. That's the hardest part is finding a fresh twist on an idea. Especially last year, almost 200 Christmas movies on all the different platforms came out how do you find something new for this year that hasn't been done the last several years, let alone the last several months? That's so it's always coaching writers of just keep using your imagination, try to find a new twist, combine ideas, go back to the classics and go through public domain and find a twist on something. And then once we have a great idea, then develop it out of, okay, who are the characters? What are the arcs? Um, what's your plot and story the basics and then continue from there
0: It sounds like you're saying for you guys that kernel that nugget of the great idea is imperative it's got to be unique it's got to be original something fresh
1: yes yeah it's thrilling and then even if the writer we call it in the industry it's called a green writer someone who's beginner or not at the professional level. If they've got an idea, we will often option that idea, and then help that writer take it as far as they can before we put on, like a professional writer to really get it into sellable shape. But we love those great ideas. We find it; it's it's the diamond. You know, it's the you find what is
0: it? The diamond in the haystack kind of thing. Yeah, so the diamond in the rough. The yes. In the rough. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I love that. It must be hard though for some of your writers who are green and new and excited and they want to go pro to be like, okay, well, we're going to option this idea and then ultimately it's not going to be my movie anymore. How do you encourage them to have grace around that process? Um, it's,
1: I always say, keep one draft, but that's your baby. The draft you write for yourself, nobody can take that away from you. That will always be yours. But this is a business. And if you want to see your projects made this is the only way it's going to get made so you have to let go of this is my baby my creation and understand that movies are collaboration it's a group team effort actors director director producer everybody has notes and it's going to look it can look very different from what you imagined you just have to separate that out we did have like i have talked to writers who have been upset not with us but like just in general other places that their movie didn't look anything like what they thought it would be and it's like the, you are now produced you have a credit like how many people would give anything to change places to have that where you are right now so i think it's just remembering too that they put you on another level even if it's changed a bit
0: that's a really good point oh yeah i know so many of these stories i had a friend in la named john who wrote the movie fool's gold that uh, ultimately starred matthew mcconaughey and kate hudson but he wrote A historical, sweeping, romantic, like adventure epic that was um, a drama. And then when the studio bought it, they were like, oh, we have the perfect script to then put our comedy writer on to make into this fantastic comedy for these two actors. <laughs> and uh, and he definitely, it broke his heart. It definitely broke his heart. It was a tough, it was a tough one. He got paid really well, though. <laughs> it helps when it, when you the payment comes, you're like, hey, the fees were good enough that it, my heart's maybe not as broken as it could have been.
1: <laughs> and I tell write, new writers too, that it doesn't just happen at this level like A-list writers will often get rewritten. If you, I tell people go on like, as Drew, Scriptorama, Simply Scripts, IMDb. you can read screenplays. And then if you read that screenplay versus watching the final movie,
0: there are big differences there. So even top writers get rewritten. Oh, absolutely. And that's what the studios are doing for those assurances. You know, they want to know that they have that strong writer who's going to um scratch that itch for this script you know is it going to be funny enough is it going to be dramatic enough and they're making sure they're covering all their bases when they're investing many many millions of dollars like every movie is a is almost like investing in an entire company you know silicon valley goes and raises millions of dollars for startup companies and then movies are just like here it is this one product that we're completing and finishing so there's a lot of risk So I've really I've marked up your book. I've really loved reading it. Make your script sellable. And I also recommend it to all of my students. And one of my favorite sections I have to tell you is on page 169. And it's the 12 not so angry pieces of advice that you have for the writers. Um, Number one is most scripts fail at the concept idea stage. And, um, and then number two is please outline will you talk about more some more of the mistakes that you see writers make or suggestions that you have to help them get stronger within their careers sure um taking notes is a
1: big thing too and being open to learning first of all I've worked with some people who just are not interested in hearing a new writers those I won't say any names but one person who just did not want any notes at all I literally even saying no thank you Like, I like what I wrote. It's like, that's fantastic, but that's not going to get made. So just being open and having an open attitude, knowing that even if you don't agree with the notes, people are trying to help you. They want to make your script, and they've invested time reading your project. And so even if you don't agree with it, like you can scream at them in your head, but just always thank the person for the note and see if there is any truth to it later of how you can improve your project because everybody just wants to help make it better. I do see with new writers structure is always like know your structure. I always say it's like building a house. You can decorate your house any way you want, but if it's not structurally sound, the whole thing's going to fall down and it doesn't matter how pretty like the China is. <laughs> it's gotta be, you have to have the structure in place. New writers will have the biggest, one of the biggest mistakes I see is that what should be the inciting incident, which should be happening fairly early on in your script of what gets the story going is put at the 30 page mark as like the first plot point. I see that a lot. Um, you got to get your story going pretty quickly. And the best way to think of that is if this event didn't happen, you wouldn't have this particular movie. It would be a different movie. So that's something we see a lot. Um, lack of character development, character arcs. That's one, something we always look at too. Where does your character start? Where do they end? What do they learn? And whatever it is they have to learn internally to finally overcome what it is they haven't been able to do, whether it's finding love, achieving the goal, whatever it is. So it's really important to have the structure down with the plot points as well as the character development points. So we usually end up spending a lot of time giving
0: notes on those areas. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Now, for you guys, you're probably mostly looking at positive character arcs, right? Where you talk about, you know, what did they learn? How did they grow? How did they transform through the story? Not so much negative character arcs, right?
1: Right. Um, Because we do a lot of, because we do Christmas movies and we do rom-coms, we're on the lighter side of things. We're stay away from the heavy drama. Like, those are great stories. Those are just not ones that our buyers are looking for at this time. So the arcs... The general one you often see is the workaholic woman who returns home and realizes she has to find life balance. So it's things people can relate to, but then it's also finding an arc that hasn't been done or doing it in a slightly different way. And that can get really tricky too, because you have to understand emotions and people and growth. So I always suggest reading psychology books as well. Read self-help books, get some ideas. Obviously you don't need the heavy real life
0: things, but... You can find some fun, some fun ones for your characters. That's a really good point. That's a really good point. I want to ask you a question that's really close to my own heart. I like to say I'm the BQ and LGBTQ and you're talking about, you know, the need for new stories. And whenever I'm looking at like Christmas movies, there are a lot of them are really traditional heterosexual type of structure. Are we seeing any more movement toward LGBTQ stories yet? I think we definitely are. Uh, Netflix had, was it
1: single all the way came out last year, which was a wonderful movie. And I think, um, Hallmark under their new direction is open to more stories that way inclusive. And, um, I think we're seeing a lot of changes. I think we're seeing this full spectrum and, you know, hopefully everybody finds the movie that, you know, makes them feel good. And I, I do think we're moving in that direction
0: in a good way. Good to hear. I mean, I feel like our, our the movie industry tends to move ahead of, um, the actual culture and can open up ideas and minds amongst the audience of like, look, here's what we should consider. Um, You know, right now we're looking at the, uh, the trauma of the Don't Say Gay bill in Florida, and the fact that, you know, there are children who are LGBTQ being raised in these households where now it's like we've gone backwards in time somehow many decades. And I'm hopeful that just even getting these types of stories on screen is going to validate the experience of family for our community because it's uh, such a strong sense of found family within the LGBTQ community. And, anyways, I would love to see more of those stories for sure. I think we're going to see more and more coming out, which is fantastic. Yeah, it's a, it's encouraging. That's an uplifting note, you know, of how, how to show more inclusivity on screen. What have you noticed in the course of your career um, in terms of the evolution of story? I realized the movies that were made in the 80s, which I grew up on and absolutely love,
1: wouldn't get made today. All of our favorite movies. I think they look at the finances and how things are going to perform overseas, comedies, country doesn't do as well. It doesn't translate as well internationally. So all those fun little movies for financial reasons just aren't getting made now. And that's, that makes me sad. But then on the other hand, we have all the streamers. It's such a, I mean, so many new platforms now for material that it's a better, it's better for writers. So many more opportunities now than back in the day where you had to only go through the studios. So I'm hoping we get back to some of more of those fun, broad comedies that we've been missing for a while. I think we're slowly getting back to that. And the studios still do the tentpole movies for the financial reasons.
0: Um, yes. I, guess, I, I miss those mid-budget comedies too. Yes. I actually am really looking forward to seeing um, Judd Apatow's movie, The Bubble. Have you seen any of the trailers for that? No, not yet. I- oh I- my God, it looks so funny. He filmed it during the pandemic and threw a bunch of his, um, well, his family for one <laughs> and <laughs> a few other of his actor friends into a like a, a, a bubble quite literally in England, like just this fallout of these actors trying to shoot some kind of crazy dinosaur movie in the midst of a pandemic. So, okay. It's the only pandemic oh. movie about a pandemic that I've wanted to see so far. And it looks so funny. It's like, we need more. We need to laugh. Oh my God after everything we've been through um one of my greatest discoveries in the pandemic was watching the show episodes which i'd never seen and i just never wanted it to end i was like oh my god thank you for something i could laugh at and an escape with some you know hilarious characters that i wanted to hang out with that was that was such a relief and there's it's right you're you're right there are fewer of these types of Movies getting made. When I was a development exec with Inferno, the first movie I gave notes on that we made was Just Friends that we did with Newline. And then it was just hijinks and hilarity and a, a whole lot of fun. Um, and then you know, that was a twelve million dollar movie. And we just don't see as, as many of those being made anymore.
1: Right. That's one of my favorites. Uh, that makes me laugh every when the Santa It's a Christmas, like, okay. Christmas movie. It's a Christmas movie. Laugh cry every time when Santa and the reindeer fly off the roof and go down. Like that's my favorite
0: ryan reynolds in a fat suit it was so hysterical and that movie was being rewritten in production because of the discovery that was the breakout star of anna ferris she's so funny that the director and the writer were like oh my god we've got to like rewrite and give her more scenes and more to do and like give her a bigger part in this film and i'm so glad that they did because her character is like one of my favorites she's such a blast
1: So when she sings like forgiveness, was that added in just for her?
0: I think so. Okay. Yeah. The original script changed a lot, even in production, but the concept, like you were talking about the ideas, you know, the concept was always there. And that's what my boss had fallen madly in love with was who can't relate to, you know, you're in love with this untouchable, popular person in high school who you know but you're the geek you're the nerd you're the one who's you know unlovable you're too fat whatever and then you you know go into life you live life and then you're like what if you could reconnect with that person who had you in the just friends category and actually win their heart and it was just super super endearing and he just loved this idea we all did Uh, and it was then of course really fun to see it come with a great comedic script
1: Yeah, it's one of my favorites. And it's also a drinking game for the number of times they say just friends in
0: in the movie. Oh, (laughs) I didn't know that. You know, and it didn't perform well at the box office in the United States, but it did great in the UK. Um, And it killed it in the UK. It was like number one in the box office for months, like way past Christmas even. And um, and that was enough. I mean, I know that we were kind of like, oh man, I wish it did better in the United States. And there was a lot of speculation about why, but yeah, it did well internationally. And that can, and then of course those careers were minted. I mean, yeah, nobody's heard of Ryan Reynolds. That guy, who's that guy?
1: (laughs) (laughs) And that's one thing about this industry. Nobody knows what's going to happen. That's what makes it so unique from anything else. You said nobody could have predicted it would be number one in the UK. Like nobody knows. Even the top studio execs, like they're surprised
0: all the time, which keeps everyone on their toes. Really true. That that magic, when when it's captured, <laughs> it, it's really exciting to see. Um, for, for you with what you guys have been shooting and filming and creating, tell us a story about some magic that you've seen made in the course of creating a film, bringing it to life.
1: For me as a writer, um, Netflix picked uh, the night before Christmas. It was my script we had submitted, company had submitted like several scripts to them, and they picked the night before Christmas to go for 2019. And that happened really fast. And even though I've been in this industry for a long time, that was, um, like a moment for me of like, oh my gosh, to see your dreams actually happening after and in a big way is it's I'm so grateful and still amazed, but that for me was the magic. And thinking back to my gosh, when I wrote my very first script, never could have predicted streamers, never could have predicted any of this. And it's like, don't give up on your dreams those moments like that. And I see them for all our writers when their movies get made, even if they've had dozens of movies produced, you always keep that moment, like keep that magic for yourself and just inspire. It kept me inspired to keep writing, but also never give up on your dreams and you have to believe in yourself and keep working on your craft always. And our other writers, new writers who get their projects through and the best is to get to give some of the news of, hey, CBS picked your script, or Netflix likes your script, or GAC is interested in your script, like, and they have, have writers be so excited, and then tell me, oh, they did a viewing party with their whole family for their movie, like, I find that the magic too. Everyone just enjoying what they've created, getting to see your own imagination, and other people seeing what's in your imagination on the screen,
0: right? Getting to share that with the family. Does, does anyone in your family read what you write?
1: Um, my mom and my aunt are have like um, the lawyer and the PhD psychologist. So my aunt will read it for like, she helps me with the character arcs of like, okay, psychologically, if this person is like this, <laughs> this would be more real life. So she does the psychological analysis of the character. So oh, I love that. And then um, they both will proofread because it's amazing. I'm sure you guys all know what you you could look at the words on the page and what's in your brain. You see what should be there, not what is there. And so I think it takes usually two people to
0: proofread something to catch all the errors. For sure. You know, I've heard that like even in a novel that random house puts out that there's even, there's still like, An average of six typos in the book. It's so in the printed book, in the actual published book, like it's so hard to catch those. I always get snagged on the ones where it's still a word, like it's the word should be from, but I've written four which is still a word. So spell check doesn't catch it. And then when people are proofreading it, like their eyes just glance over it. And, you know, it's inevitable that the second you push send to go out to your rep or the executive or whoever, it's like, Oh, there's the glaring typo on page one. <laughs> it's like always. Yes.
1: I would say from the executive point of view, don't worry because we, we understand that the small typos happen. It's only if a script is completely filled with sloppy writing where somebody didn't spell check anything or check their grammar at all that we're like why should we invest our time if the writer hasn't even spent their time to proof their own work? But if few errors like that, we don't worry. Like if we see a two A or spaces, like we we understand. We just
0: skip over those. No, oh, that's great. I mean there's compassion there, really.
1: It's <laughs> good to hear. <laughs> we'll still point it out when we give notes just because we want it to be perfect when we're submitting it to a buyer.
0: Oh, definitely. You know, a really popular subject in the entertainment business school, especially among writers who I teach, is pitching. And I know you've sat through a lot of pitches. Will you tell us some mistakes to avoid and some tips of encouragement of what uh, writers could do or could do better in their pitches?
1: Pitching's hard. I'm not good at it myself. I always start out by saying I'm a writer. I'm better at writing this down than I am at speaking it because I stumble and then I start worrying about how's this coming across and you're analyzing what's the other person thinking at the same time. I always prefer to send something in writing that way they can see it, they can read it. And I know my short paragraph is better than anything I could do trying to speak it. That's me because I'm not good at it. Some people are really great at pitching. The biggest thing is keeping it quick. People don't have like I think, what we all grew up with, like the MTV generation, that's gotten worse. Where attention spans are five seconds. Uh, try not to go on too long because you'll lose someone's attention. They won't, they'll miss a word. They won't know what's going on. No one's going to admit that they checked out for half a second during your pitch, and they have no clue what you're talking about now. Um, <laughs> I've seen that happen when a pitch goes on for like ten minutes. Um, but bullet point it. Keep it like show your passion in it. The biggest thing too, is relate like your own experience to the story. If you worked in, I don't know if you were a nanny for, you know, this celebrity family and this is where your story comes from. Like that's, that's the interesting part of it. Or if you worked as a janitor and you had the genius kid from, you know, like that movie, um, but relate your personal connection to your story because that's what people remember as well. And then just give, you know, one, two, three sentences about it. If you have more time, that's great. You can fill it out a little more, but just keep it interesting, quick. And it can be explained like high concept for us means like, like, um, was it Samuel Jackson decided to do snakes on a plane just based on that title. Like that's high concept. If you can explain the whole plot in one sentence, that's what a lot of people love to hear because they're like, then the executives know, oh, I know what this is about. I know who to sell it to and I know how to market it. So those are things you want to be able to say in your pitch by how you pitch it because that's how the executive thinks, who can I sell it to? How is it going to be marketed? Who's the audience? So you try to answer those as well in a pitch and an interesting story too. um, If it's a character piece, that's wonderful. Just explain your why you're passionate about writing a movie about that person, why it's important to society, why it's important right now why this is something the world needs or would love or it'd be successful.
0: Um, I don't know if that's helpful at all. There's a lot of different. Oh, it's so, it's so helpful. I know there's so much we could get into with pitching. I was thinking as you were talking another Judd Apatow reference, he sold knocked up off the title so so strong you know there's the concept there's the movie you know you're gonna have seth rogan and it's gonna be funny and it's like okay go make that movie we know exactly who's gonna watch that movie and who it's for and who your audience is and um that's how powerful and important it is to have that concept uh dialed i love that you say in your book you encourage writers to really take time with their concept before they get to outlining because it's like look think of the 100 ideas that you could write on, and then narrow it down to the one idea. Don't just say, Oh, here are a couple of ideas I'm thinking about, and then spend a bunch of time on an idea that you may not have enough to fill a 90 to 100, 25 page script of like really interesting story there. So I love that you encourage writers to sit with the concept phase the most. And then it sounds like what you're saying is by the time they get into pitching, it's like, Hey, here's the high concept. Here's what the the twist is or the hook is, and then I've got this script about it. And sounds like that's strong positioning for you.
1: Yeah, I think that's just a good way to interest someone too. Like they call it the elevator pitch. If you step on an elevator with the executive, you've got what ten seconds to get them to say, "Hey, send me your story." And if you were the person you played, I don't know, like you're the twelve year old prodigy, or you won your chess champion, or like anything like that, like, that's cool. That's human interest. And that always relates to a good pitch of
0: why someone should read it. Would want to. Absolutely. You know, what, what, where do you bring your expertise of your life experience mm-hmm. to this story? We're an industry that really kind of worships people outside the industry. Oh, you are a Navy SEAL. Oh, you grew up on a farm in Pennsylvania and raised pigs. Whatever it is, like there's just so many elements of. Uh, we love when you bring your own life story to the industry because we know there's like a lot of richness there of story that you know hopefully we haven't seen or comes from a perspective that's new and fresh and exciting.
1: And everyone's fascinating. Like everybody on this call, your entire life stories are all, we're probably all such very different stories that everybody's fascinating. I don't think we, people realize how interesting your own life is because it's your life. It's what you know, but nobody else knows your life, your experiences. So pull from what you've been through because that's where your passion is going to be. And be excited about your idea when you pitch it too, because like, that comes through. Because if you're not excited about your idea, like why would the executive be excited about it? Of just let your enthusiasm show
0: and your passion for this story. Absolutely. I don't know if you know, Kara, that I teach the one minute pitch. And that's one reason why. Um, for our listeners, you can grab a copy of my free ebook. It's at entertainmentbusinessleague.com. And it is the one minute pitch how to. Because especially if you're in Los Angeles, you know, you you have a quick second with somebody who you meet in passing, or you're at an event, you go to Austin, you go to Sundance, and then you have a moment with somebody in a hallway or an elevator. And you can say, hey, I so admire what you're doing. Here's me, here's what I'm doing. And everybody has 60 seconds that they're willing to give you before they're like, okay, bye. And if you can you know, hook them in that 60 seconds of, Hey, I want to tell you more, would you be willing to meet with me? Would you be willing to hear a longer pitch? Then you can always expand from there, but you got to have something that collapses down to one minute so that you have the opportunity to create a connection there. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And I think people are, pol- most people are polite and are
1: generally like, everyone's looking for a good story. The business is based on Finding those nuggets, finding those great stories, so people do want to find that, and so you're helping them too. Think of it that way: like their business is based on finding good ideas. This whole industry is. And You've got a good idea, so you're important. You just need to sh- show them in that moment why they need to look at your story. Like you're helping them too.
0: So true. I, I definitely had that pressure in my job when I was a development exec of like, hey. We have this hedge fund. We have to finance some movies. We better find some great ones and sorting through all those stacks to try to find what we were the most interested in making. And the movies that were coming to us had attachments. So it was, you know, what who's going to be attached to this movie and is there any co-financing in place and then gosh i hope the script is fantastic and amazing and i was you know a die hard script champion when i was in that job because i was like look it's got to be a great story i like everybody else i feel like i'm sick of going to the movies and just enduring something that's just so bad because the story you don't want to see the ending coming at you when you've just sat down in the chair and the theater goes dark you want to be taken on a journey that is surprising and reveals itself and you know is some kind of even level of catharsis as a human being you want to laugh you want to cry you want to not see the ending coming at you from the moment you take your first bite of popcorn <laughs> oh so true oh kara I'm, I'm so grateful that you've been here with me with us today with the audience and um, bringing your expertise and your beautiful self to all of us. Thank you so much for being here with us today. How can people like find you? Where are you on Twitter? What's your handle? Uh, Kara J Russell.
1: I'm on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. So you can find me on any of those. And I do read any DMS. So feel free to find me that way or LinkedIn
0: as well. I get all those emails. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for your time today. And I wish you all the best, best with your next project. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Really appreciate
1: it. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Entertainment Business Wisdom. We invite you to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Please like, review, and share it with your friends and colleagues. Kaya Alexander can be reached on Twitter for your questions or comments at this is Kaya. Get entertainment business career training, as well as a free special report, how to pitch anything in one minute at www.entertainmentbusinessleague.com. Thank you.